In this week's episode, we are diving into mental health, depression, anxiety, and my personal experiences, tips and tricks, things that have really worked for me and given me um, tangible relief that I can see and feel and experience in my life. Um, you guys know that, yes, I'm a drug and alcohol counselor, um, but I'm not your drug and alcohol counselor. I'm on here sharing my personal experience as always. Um, you know, this is, this is just my journey. I'm here. I'm happy to share it with you guys. My intention is for you to maybe question or, you know, um, take a deeper dive into, these areas of our lives but um you know if you need further help please do go see a professional see an incredible therapist see a doctor psychiatrist um and run all of your ideas by them um so yeah i hope you enjoy this episode Hey, it's Alexis Haynes, and this is my podcast, Recovering From Reality. I just love my intro music. I know I've said that before, and I just really, I really mean it. (laughs) It gets me in the mood. Um, Okay, hi. Uh, We're doing a solo ep this week, um, which I'm really excited about. And before we jump into that, I wanted to say that I'm so um, just happy with the messages I'm receiving about the weekly affirmation. This week, I got a couple of different messages from you guys through my DMs on Instagram and then also through the contact form on the website talking about how much you're really enjoying those and how they're making an impact in your life. So I love to hear that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Today we're going to dive into my mental health kind of journey and experience and the things that I have done which have been really successful in, um, you know, getting rid of my depression naturally for the most part and um, anxiety too. So I just want to preface this by saying that there are a number of amazing resources that um, are accessible to everybody. I mean if you're in the greater Los Angeles area I'll share those too um, with different practitioners that I've seen. Um, but right off the very top of the show, I'm going to recommend that anybody who is dealing with depression or anxiety, which is unfortunately the vast majority of the population these days, Johan Hari, that's J-O-H-A-N-H-A-R-I, just, um, came out with this amazing book. I actually, I don't know if it's just, but came out with this amazing book recently, called Lost Connections. And this is something that um, as mental health care providers at Aloe House, like we've known for a long time that connection is the solution to trauma and to um, depression and anxiety. And this gentleman, Johan, put all of these amazing studies together in this incredible book. Um, 
and really, uh, you know, just brought it home. I think it's an amazing, it's a, it's comprehensive, it's clear. It is an incredible book and I'm going to reference it throughout this episode. As um, many of you guys know, because I've publicly talked a lot about my <clears throat> mental health problems. I don't even want to call them problems because it's not. My mental health journey, my experience with depression, anxiety, and CPTSD along with OCD. Um, I have been speaking about this for the last several years because I feel like addiction is something that, one, you know, once you kind of overcome that, then many people, most people still have lingering mental health stuff. And, and you can have mental health stuff even if you're not somebody that's in recovery, obviously. Um, but it's been probably the biggest beast for me to tackle in sobriety. Um, I've had several moments and time periods in my sobriety where I've been suicidally depressed and those moments were the scariest in my life pretty much. Um, because I've been suicidal in my addiction before, but you know, the drugs kind of numbed everything and I didn't really feel like the amount of fear that I did in my sobriety dealing with this. So I know that I've spoken about the adverse childhood experience study before with you guys. And Johan so beautifully um, lays out the ACE study in his book. Um, A quick brief overview, like they took 17,000 people in San Diego, um, Kaiser did, And what they did was they started measuring health outcomes based on the amount of childhood trauma that you experienced. And they had these 10 various causes of childhood trauma. And with each one went up your risk of depression, up your risk of suicide, up your risk of anxiety, up your risk of heart disease, up your risk of cancer, all of these types of things. You can easily access this test on um, their website, which I believe is Aces Too High. It will be in the show notes for this episode. I talk a lot about early childhood trauma because I really do believe that so many of us experience childhood trauma and suppress it for most of our lives. And as a result, we deal with depression and anxiety and feeling like they're, I don't know how I would explain it, like feeling like those things are just too much or even almost normalizing them these days. Like we walk around and just pretend like it's normal to be stressed out. It's normal to have anxiety. It's normal to work. You know, he goes through in this book too and talks about how much people are like working now and spending less and less time together. You can go and take this test on their website, Aces Too High. And you can see it's good to have this information and a little bit of background. I feel like it's good to be informed. And then, you know, it's not 
it's 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 what you do with that information and with that knowledge right so I had a lot of childhood trauma on the ACE study I scored a 9 out of 10 technically I probably shouldn't even be alive today um with the statistics that I had but then they went and followed up that test with a resilience study and so based on how resilient you are it kind of combats that um level of trauma and I'm going to talk to you guys um today about how we can become more resilient um so the first time I really realized that I was depressed and suffering from depression and anxiety was in sobriety because I had been using drugs for as long as I had I didn't really feel any of my feelings. I numbed out all the time um, because my feelings were just too big and I didn't know how to process them at all. And so when I got sober at 19, I initially tried a number of different antidepressants. And I had a sponsor at the time. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Pacific Group, but that pretty much was... Um, a part of this sect of AA um, that doesn't believe in medication. And so I got off all of the meds and I started working the steps with this woman. Now, if you read Johan Hari's book, you'll find that the um, degree of which antidepressants actually works is super, super low. Um, I believe it's at around 20%. So um, in some ways, I'm kind of glad that I tried to do this thing without meds and took alternative approaches because today I'm sitting down talking to you guys with absolutely zero depression in the first time of my life, which is absolutely incredible. So I got off the meds. And I started working the steps, and sure enough, my life started getting better. I was also doing a lot of the things that we know benefit, um, you know, depression and easing the symptoms, like having a community of people around you that understand you, that you can relate to, that you can have deep and meaningful connections and conversations with. And so my life started getting really big and beautiful. And I shortly thereafter met Evan and we got married. I got pregnant with Harper and I started having um, some trauma take place in my immediate family. I was having issues with my mom who was literally making the end of my pregnancy a living hell for me. And by the time that I went into labor, I ended up having a really challenging birth with Harper. I wanted a home birth. I still had a lot of unresolved sexual trauma. And I ended up with a last minute C-section. And I honestly don't even remember the first... I certainly don't remember the first two to three days of her life, but the whole beginning of it was really blurry because I had so much trauma happening and so much stress in my life. And then to add on top of that, I had this new baby who I was so in love with, 
but I was healing from a C-section and my incision opened and I had some PTSD from my birth and my mom was making my life a living hell and I was just stressed to the max. And so what I began doing was isolating. And I think as new moms, we feel really isolated as is, but I think because I was such a young mom, because I didn't know any other really like other moms in my area, I felt really, really isolated. And so the depression started sinking in. And then Evan and I moved to Studio City because he wanted to live in the city. And so I moved further away from my family, which was dysfunctional in general. Um, and so I probably needed to take a little break anyways, but the point is that, um, by the time Harper was 16 months old, I had gotten pregnant again. I had a miscarriage and I say that after that I was never the same because I really wasn't. I started having 10 panic attacks a day. I couldn't leave my house. I would have to call my one friend in the neighborhood to watch my daughter on a regular basis because I felt like I couldn't be trusted to watch her. I didn't want to get high or get loaded. I literally wanted to kill myself. And I that was the scariest moment of my life. I had an 18-year-old, 18-month-old daughter. I had an amazing husband. I had um, you know, so much to live for, but I just didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be here. And so I went and I saw a psychiatrist like many, many people do. And I started diving into the world of medication. And what I found was that me and meds just don't mix. I tried Lexapro I woke up in the middle of the night with like 190 heart rate that they couldn't get down. The ambulance was called. I was transferred to the hospital. I went on Prozac um, six weeks into Prozac. I was actually suicidal and called Evan to come home from work to 5150 me because I had a plan to kill myself. Um, so clearly things weren't going well in the in the way of of medication and it just wasn't working for me. Um, I thought, well, maybe I need to double down on my program. So I started going to so many meetings. Um, that wasn't helping. And then I started working with a holistic doctor and seeking alternative methods because that was my last resort. Um, some of the things that doctor did were really helpful. I've talked in previous episodes about genetic testing and getting the proper B vitamins and making sure your vitamin D is, is okay. And, um, being active and all of that stuff did help me for a while until it didn't anymore. I ended up getting pregnant with Dakota a year after that miscarriage and I've spoken about this with you guys. I had one of the most, I had such a challenging pregnancy. They told me for over 20 weeks of it that she was not compatible with life, that she was probably going to die in utero um, or be a stillborn if she was born with this genetic condition that they said she had and was testing positive for, um, you know, that she would maybe live a couple days 
at most. Um, I was sick all of the time. I had the mumps. I was hospitalized nonstop on bed rest. And sure enough, after her delivery, um, I ended up with postpartum depression again. And not just postpartum depression, but also postpartum anxiety. Um, I also almost died when she was eight days old of three blood clots in my right lung. And so, you know, I'm getting by, right, for the most part. And then um, last fall, there was a series of events that took place that I just, I spiraled. I was working on, you know, my vision for recovering from reality for the community, for how I wanted to get out there and help people. My depression was definitely manageable and I was getting by and then everything just started falling apart. The fires happened. We were, well, first before the fires, there was a mass shooting um, about 10 minutes down the street from my house and Obviously, that was so traumatic for the entire community. And then the following day, the wildfires started and we were evacuated from our community for several days. Um, We ended up losing five houses in Malibu that were our business and our income. We were about to have to shut our doors. We got slapped with like an amazingly, incredibly high tax bill. My grandpa, my dad's dad ended up um, committing suicide that January. It was literally one thing after another. And I've, I have been putting off on sharing this for a while, but I've been dealing with some really scary health stuff and I'm actually getting tested for, um, multiple sclerosis right now for, for MS. My grandma, um, had MS and passed away from that and I'm having a lot of the symptoms. So it was kind of like this storm that took me out and I was back to being suicidally depressed um to the point where you know it was more than like intrusive thoughts it was constant thoughts about how I'm going to kill myself I don't want to be here anymore and it's crazy because it, it I love my kids I love my husband I I like if I'm having a larger perspective I can see that that everything's okay. I just didn't feel okay. I felt like the world was crumbling in on me on the inside, but everything on the outside, like I was still keeping it together somehow. And even into those first couple of episodes back in March of of this podcast, I was literally having six panic attacks a day, feeling like everything, like the world was just crumbling in on me. And so I was like, okay, I have to get really, I have to get really proactive about this. And I need, I, there needs to be something that, that changes. And at this point, you guys, I've been to therapy for the last six years with incredible therapists. Um, the last three of which were with a, an incredible therapist that I was seeing on a weekly basis. I've done group therapy and I, and I have explained this before. It was like therapy was great because 
all of my bags in my head, all of my my baggage, everything that I was carrying around in my life was just shoved into all these different bags. And therapy was great because we dumped it all out. We reorganized it. We put it back into the boxes where they belong and then we filed them away, right? But it was still there. And when these huge events would happen in my life, I would just end up spiraling. And so I decided that I needed to begin taking action. And I really believe that it was the combination of these things that I did that made the biggest difference for me. And like I said, here I am nearly five months later, completely depression free for probably the first time in my life or that I can remember. First and foremost, I started working with Uta. If you're interested in finding out more about her, you can go back a couple of episodes. She came on the podcast. It was incredible. Um, The episode is titled The Drama Stops With Me. Uta really made a huge, huge difference in my life. As I started working with Uta, who was doing both spiritual counseling as well as um, Reiki, what I started to feel was like I was dropping the bags one at a time. With each session, I felt better and better. And I believe that um, it was through we were doing emotional freedom technique tapping We were doing meditation and Reiki at each session, and that was really helpful for me. But I was still feeling pretty dysregulated, dysregulated, Lord help me today. And um, while I felt like the suicidal thoughts were lifting a bit, I still felt um, quite anxious and pretty darn depressed. So I was working with Uta, starting my journey with her, and then I was also looking into TMS. I actually went and did a live with you guys um, where I went live to do one of my sessions. Um, TMS stands for Transcranial Magnetic Stimulation. It is basically like non-invasive electroshock therapy in a way. So they take these MRI strength magnets and they place them on different spots of your head for depression. It's on the left side for anxiety and OCD. It is on the right side. And you go in and have this treatment done once a day, or I should say five times a week for six weeks. And it is about 70% effective at permanently treating depression. Now, here's the thing. After reading Johan's book and really analyzing the data presented, so often we're told that depression is a lack of serotonin in the brain. And he challenges that throughout the book. So like I said, you guys, I think that treating depression needs to be done in a holistic approach. 
Um, I think the reason why I think antidepressants are so ineffective, most people have to either up their dose or change the dose or they deal with these horrible side effects or they have to change their medications often um, is because antidepressants can give you some relief. And I believe that TMS can absolutely give you some relief. It gave me relief. But I believe that because I was doing the TMS in combination with a number of different things, that that was the solution for me. So I'm about halfway through my sessions of TMS. I just stopped working with Uta every week. I began seeing Vanessa Fitzgerald. She came on the podcast. This I had her on before I even understood or knew what she did. It just kind of intrigued me. But I started working with her um, because I, for some reason, have an, an outrageous amount of heavy, heavy metals in my body. And I know that that can absolutely cause havoc on your nervous system. So I started working with her too. And then I also started working with this chiropractor, Dr. Monks in Beverly Hills, to help me fix my sacrum, which had been not functioning or out since I gave birth to my first child. And I was having all of this different back pain and symptoms like that. So I really do believe that it was a combination of all of these things that was really effective. My experience with TMS was this, um, because I know a lot of people are really interested in this. Um, You go into the office and you have your assessment and then you arrive on your first day. You wear this very crazy looking cap um, and it has like a map on it on where the practitioner needs to line up the magnet which basically goes in and sends a signal and like, you know, air quotes, zaps your brain and kind of tells it like, hey, start functioning again. Um, So I don't want to say it's not painful. It's interesting. It's a feeling I can't explain. Honestly, a lot of people say it's like a woodpecker that's in there like tap, 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 tapping on your brain. Um, I guess that would be the closest thing that I would compare it to. However, um, yeah, there's really nothing like it, you guys. Um, and they change the strengths and stuff like that too. So some days it's a little more uncomfortable and then some days it's less. I did experience, and the doctor talked about this, a little bit of a dip, which was scary, where my anxiety and depression actually got worse before it got better. And in those days, I literally was just holding on for dear life. Um, I don't really know how else to explain it. Um, I felt so hopeless, like I couldn't function. I just wanted to sleep all day. Um, that's pretty much, it it was just horrible, you guys, honestly. And so, um, I would say it was around the end of my treatment that I actually felt maybe about 60% better. And the doctor said, well, just give it a few more weeks. The brain sometimes can take a little while to adjust. And, you know, at that point, though, I was willing to go, okay, 60% relief, right? Like, 
that's an incredible, that's incredible. I'll take 60% coming from where I came from. Um, and I will say that it definitely got better. And over the last several weeks, um, my depression symptoms are gone. I don't experience, um, I don't experience depression anymore, which is a remarkable thing. Getting back to the benefit of connections, since the beginning of our existence, um, we have always lived in tribes of people. That's how we would survive. And in this day and age, we no longer live like that. Um, you know, and we need that just like bees need their hive. Humans need their tribe. We live in a society these days that really celebrates the individual, right? You know, we believe in, in the CEO. We don't see the whole company and, and the team and the community and the value of that. And we so often are disconnected from the people that we see every day our teachers and our community, other parents, the people we work with, our friends. We often don't even see our own family members that much. And because of that, we are experiencing more depression um, and more anxiety. I do believe that the things go hand in hand. And we have this strong impulse for connection because without it, we wouldn't have survived for as long as we did. Um, people, humans, do best in, you know, pre-agricultural times. Dr. Gabor Mate talks a lot about how humans thrive in hunter-gatherer societies where women help each other raise raise their families and the men go out and provide food and shelter and the women cook and they're a whole team of people that come together and are working and everybody actually in these societies ends up behaving better I really hate behavioral modification and I think that it's absurd but but people actually end up being kinder and and um I hate the word civilized too because I really do believe that at the beginning of in quote civilization is when we started to become less civilized. But the real meaning of civilized, right? Like we we would we would care so much about others and our position in in these groups because if they kicked us out or left us, we'd be screwed. And the rates of depression were pretty much non-existent. Think about herds of elephants, right? They all rely on each other to keep their young safe and to travel together. And that's how most mammals behave. There's so many different parts to this, to depression. Um, when we zoom out and look on a bigger scale, obviously, like I said, I do believe that the heart of all of this is connection and the lack of connection that we have um, in our world and with the people around us. I mean, think about this. You could be in the middle of, of um, at Los Angeles and 
you could be standing there surrounded by thousands upon thousands of people and feel so lonely because you don't know a single one of them. And so we live in these big cities and we don't really know the people who are around us and we don't have connections with them. Um, And then if we look at another huge part of this, the other disconnect I would say is consumerism and how much we care about our status in the world instead of the connections that we have. Um, And I think that this is a problem that's new because we've never dealt with this much um, commercialism before. I mean, really, it's just been in the last hundred years or so that we see a billboard on every street and we're constantly being advertised to and told that something is wrong with us and that we need to change who we are or how we behave or however it might be or whatever it might be, um, you know, and that if we do that, then we'll be more likable. Um, and it's weird. Like the social media thing is such a trip because I notice that when I post certain pictures, I get less likes than when I post others. And it's very bizarre. And I notice this on my friends' Instagrams too. It's almost like Instagram, which was supposed to be a place where we just post cool pictures of ourselves and sort of like a blog, I guess, um, has now become this huge selling machine. And obviously, I'm a part of that, but I'm doing my best to provide you guys with content that helps to change your lives and to expand your consciousness. Um, But even my girlfriends who, you know, are fashion bloggers and selling things online, their posts when they, I have one mom friend actually that has over 500,000 followers and every single one of her posts is selling you something and they get an insane amount of likes and comments. People now are so used to being sold stuff, which is really telling you that you need this stuff to be more liked, to have more friends, to be cooler. And I'm just here to tell you that it's all a bunch of crap and that I absolutely believe that social media, that um, the more that we are in with our heads down looking at our phones, disconnected from our kids and the world around us, um, constantly being bombarded by different ads for whatever it might be, um, the more depressed that that we will be. So what are some tangible things that everybody can start doing to treat their mental health and their depression? Um, first and foremost, I obviously believe in therapy and the benefits of therapy and how important um, having an incredible therapist is. Um, I would say that finding connections to other people through especially through doing things that you love like say you've always wanted to try a dance class and so you you know 
put yourself out there and you go and try a dance class and you absolutely fall in love with it. Well, I would encourage you to also try to make friends with the other people that enjoy doing similar things that you enjoy doing. Being out in nature specifically, they've actually done studies on this, running on a treadmill versus running down the street um, is a totally different experience. So getting out in nature, hiking, walking, getting to the beach, um, or a local lake or whatever it might be, I think that that's really huge. So please message me. Let me know what's worked for you guys. If you're on meds, great. Um, if you've tried alternative approaches, incredible. I want to hear from you and to know what your experience has been like, um, you know, regarding mental health. And then as always, I will have all of these different resources in the show notes. And if you could please go over to our, um, Apple podcast page and, like and review and subscribe to this podcast. I would really appreciate it and share it, share it, share it. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a great week. This week's affirmation is, I am in acceptance of my emotions and let them serve their purpose. And so it is. 